Welcome back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast, Puckheads, presented by Beerly Sports. I'm your host, Phil Razor. Guys, I am once again joined by the acerbic Aaron Kinney and the nifty Nate McBride. Aaron, we'll start with you tonight, my friend. How are we doing? How are we feeling? What are we drinking? Dude, I'm feeling humbled because you just hit me with a vocab word I do not know for the first time. Acerbic. Asorbic. Like ascorbic acid? Is that what we're talking about? He's calling you a Serb. He's calling you Serbian, dude. He's calling you a Serbic. A Serbic. A-C-E-R-B-I-C. It's an adjective. Sharp and forthright. Hell yeah. His Serbic wit. His Serbic wit. Yeah, it's a great word. Dude, I got to mix that one in sometime. I... Yeah. So, not only am I feeling humbled by that, I'm also feeling humbled because... I walked out this morning to find that my neighbor is building a literal mansion of a barn in his backyard. Like, this guy's barn that he's building, it's a giant party barn that he's going to store his RV in as well. It's like four times the size of his house. So this guy is just like rolling in it. That's the way you here. do it, man. Don't do, don't do your house nice. Do your outsider. Yeah, leave dude. your nice. Leave your house he, just fine and nice and he's then got this, have a party barn. Yep. He's got this old ass like small house, which is fine for him and the wife because they're kind of like elderly. And he is just like balling out with the biggest goddamn building on the block. Like it's a commercial grade garage that this guy's building, and it's insane. Good for him. I He's I smart. look forward to drinking many a beer with him in that thing over the summertime. Tell, uh, tell the tell the HOA to suck a dick, dude. He he was like, before he built it, he was telling me he was gonna build something back there. And he's like, yeah, I've been fighting with the city for months trying to get him to let me do it, and now I see why. Like holy shit. But I am drinking tonight some uh, good old Yingling, and it's just it, it's it's a great time. We are entering one of my favorite seasons of hockey, the insanity that comes with free agency in the draft. So let's let's look forward to this. How about you, Nate? What are you up to tonight? How you doing? What are you drinking? Oh man, doing fantastic. Like a lot of the probably NHL players currently, I've been teeing it up, boys. Just hitting the golf course. I think I've played probably 54 holes in the last week. So oh, yeah. getting getting out there three times, it's been great. Dude, I, I got some good golfing with my dad for Father's Day yesterday. Just an absolute great time. Hell yeah, man. Mandatory dad, Father's I, Day golf. It, it, dude, it's almost a mandatory thing that you have to do on Father's Day. You got to play golf. My dad and I this year, we went on Saturday. So instead oh, nice. of worrying about, because everybody wants to play on Father's Day. So we oh, were yeah. like, no, let's play the day before. You want to avoid perfect, that traffic. Man. Yeah, it was perfect, man. It was honestly great. Um, so yeah, I've been playing a lot of golf. That's what I'll be doing this summer. Uh, playing, we can get a lot of golf outings that I'm playing in. So that's, that's a lot of what my summer consists of. Uh, I'm going to, I'm switching it up tonight on you guys, a new little beer from uh, Columbus Brewing Company, the Devil's Kush IPA. Ooh. Yeah. Let, let me see that artwork, dude. That's a, that's a nice looking can. Oh, it's a beautiful can. Oh, that is, that's some artistry right there. I love that. Yeah. Brewed, and right here it says, brewed with. Simcoe Mosaic Idaho Seven Strata and in Chin or Chinook Chinook Hops. Sorry. Oh. Intensely dank with subtle notes of citrus and tropical fruit, backed up by a sinister ABV. Dude, they gave you six point six ABV. Damn, they gave you like it it had to be be six. 
6.666 ABV. Yeah. That's that's a very <laughs> nice finishing touch. Wow, guys. That is that is so I mean it really is it's just nice and citrusy and then as it and then as you swallow it goes down that's when you get that nice hoppy like you know kind of dank hoppy IPA kind of feel. Oh man, that is a good beard. Highly Mate, just would you say that beer is perfect for the devils? Um, you know what, man? The devils or the or the um, Cabanada Avalanche? Because man, because <laughs> man, out there with that legal weed, they would love this too. Speaking of the Cabanada Avalanche, I'm having silver bullet Coors Light tonight, boys. Love didn't that. Have any, didn't have any banquets. I know. I, I wish I had a little Colorado Kool Aid with me, but are the mountains blue? The mountains are blue. The mountains are blue. And uh, you know who else is blue, boys? Florida Panthers fans. Just Miami sports fans in general. But <laughs> tough uh, tough finals and then tough Stanley Cup final for the fans of teams from South Florida. Um, let's just hop into it, shall we? Because this happened a little bit ago. We're recording a little later because we're going to have a little more speculation tonight. Uh, the, the fun time of the year that Aaron was alluding to earlier. And let's get into it. Uh, yeah, I mean, game five. We kind of talked about it like we were kind of all on here last week praying on Monday night. Man, can we just get a game six so we can have a couple more days of hockey talk? <laughs> but the Vegas Golden Knights had other plans uh, as game five started. First period, smooth. You know, all right. We got a competitive game. No no Matthew Kachuk. We'll get into that in a little bit. But competitive game. And then period two, bam, dead. Florida was dead. They finally collapsed. Vegas took a 6-1 lead uh, entering the third period, and Nate had the running joke last week on the pod when I said, uh, if they're up by two-plus goals going into the third period, I don't see it happening for Florida. And Nate just texted our group chat and goes, what about five goals? Should they even, should they even play the third period? Um I mean, I, I I did feel bad for the Panthers. I mean, I wanted to know. I wanted to know. Like you did say, yeah. like two goals. So just just out of curiosity, I was wondering what your thoughts were on what the situation might look like at five. Yeah, at five. I think they might have. You know, they could have just called the game and let the fans hey, go shit, out there and just skate around for twenty minutes and blow the whistle and call it over. Just dude, it, it was time to change the sheets because you shit that bad dog. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think the story of the game for me for game five was was Stoner, the captain, getting a hat trick in the series clinching game and then skating around with Lord Stanley's cup there. He looked like an absolute beauty. So, also I wanna point out I wanna point out that I called the Con Smythe winner as well. I think I, I believe I, I called I called Jonathan March so and Aaron was Aaron was I think right on. Like Jack Eichel only had one point or he did have three points in that game. But again, it was just it was a lot of assists on Eichel. He did have he did have his tucks, don't get me wrong, but like the Stanley Cup final especially, he was he was apple he was apple picking. Dude, yeah, he was. So so here's my argument though because I still this is a Sidney Crosby Phil Kessel situation all over again. The so I you, I still are think you old man yelling at clouds. No, I'm just saying I still think Eichel deserved to win that because you're talking about all his assists. You know who he I'm was not saying set- he didn't. I'm not saying he didn't deserve to win it because he did. Yeah, but he deserved it over Marcia, so I think because yeah. all those assists were going to backdoor tappins for Marcia. So like, Marcia, so all the power to him. Like he, 
it it was neck and neck. Like I think Eichel just edged him a little bit. Like because everyone wants to bring up the goals argument, and I'm just like, well, Marcheseau wouldn't have scored all those goals if Eichel wasn't setting him up and creating the play. But it's Eichel wouldn't have had anybody to. Eichel wouldn't have had anybody there if Marcheseau wasn't posted up in the right spot. Marcheseau is good at being in the right spot. I I just think it it's they're they're symbiotic. If you could give out two con Smice, then you should. And that's that's what's crazy to me. The voting was so lopsided. Like, I expected it to be pretty close to even. Ike only got like 5 out of 18 votes for first place, so which is crazy. But the, Marsh, those Marsh guys Snow, together... Marsh Snow won that. No, sorry, Aaron. What's that? No, go for it. Marchy won a game two, man. He won a game two. After game two, the series was dead. Dude, I mean, well, no, but like they still factor the other three did, games into the series. Had, oh, I know. I, I'm, saying the, I'm saying the perception. Marshall won a yeah. game too. Well, and, he had a lot of multi-goal games in this in these playoffs. And you too. and you talked about Nate the uh, like uh, I think you're the one saying like it's the storylines like more on him because I brought up the Eichel storyline. You're like, well, Marshall's a storyline too. He's the original Golden Knight. Like he's been there forever, and I think that played into it too. It's like it, just him like passionately celebrating with the city and like. He was one of the first guys to really embrace like the community there when they were an expansion team. So it's I, I'm really happy to see him get that honor. I just like I want these guys to win another cup because I want Eichel to get the con Smythe at some point. You know, a little bit of retribution there. It's Aaron Aaron, did you just hear the words that came out of your mouth? What? And we're we're in the off season now. We're 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 in the off season. You can cut the you can cut the shit. We're back to being fans of these guys. Do we really want them to win another cup before us? I, I'm not saying this year. I'm just saying at some point. I I I love I love Jack Eichel like way more as a player after watching this playoff run by him. Is all I'm saying. I do think it's funny that he you know he's he's raised the cup before any number one pick from all those Edmonton Oilers teams. So. Yeah, I. Mm. Shit, man. Yeah, it's you know? it's got to feel satisfying for him. And obviously, we're not going to be over here and be like, oh, well, he's got a cup and McDavid doesn't, so he's better. Because, like, no. we, we all know how one individual player can't win you anything in this league. And that's why Vegas won this series, is because of their depth. Like, we're going to get into the injuries on Florida. And even before those injuries, Vegas still looked like the deeper team on paper. But, like, it was just a relentless four-line attack. Everyone was doing everything on Vegas, and Florida was really outmatched, especially late in the series when some guys started going down. Yeah, and and honestly, I think uh, you know when it, when it comes to the Vegas Golden Knights, and we're going to talk about their pending UFAs because that's gonna, that's going to be a big topic this offseason for sure, um, unless they pull some business out before July first. But um, I think one of the big things that when you look at Vegas in the series overall. Florida had all the speed in the world, but they, I mean, they, they kept him in check. I mean, that, that blue line for Vegas kept him in check and they were just relentless going the other way. Yeah. That Vegas was relentless and you know, they, they were shark smelling blood in game five. They knew they, and Florida came out hard in the first minute. Like the, the opening like 10 minutes of that game, Florida was, they had their legs, they were flying. They just, again, couldn't get one or two or three past Aiden Hill. Like, they had a lot of good chances, and he still just made the saves he was supposed to make. And that zone defensive system, 
that Bruce Cassidy has implemented there. Like, you don't see it as much. A lot of the league is, like, hybrid zone and man. Like, you got guys switching responsibilities. But Vegas, like, they literally don't go below the goal line. They Their D, their zone is that fucking goal crease, and they do not let anyone in there. They won't pursue or chase guys behind the net to open something up for a guy to come down off the wall. They won't get lured into, like, getting too high. They, they don't get into too many battles on the walls. They just camp out there and don't let anyone get to the dangerous areas of the ice. It's true. Nate, did you, do you have any takeaways from game five from your perspective before we hop into talking a little bit about Florida and then kind of going through some of the fun stuff for Vegas? I mean, I think it's what we all kind of saw coming, right? When, like, we saw – I don't know if we saw that many goals, but we, I think we all saw Vegas winning – by a decent margin because of what they did in games one and two when they won those. I mean, it was just, it was decided, it was very decidedly Vegas domination. And, yeah, but no. I don't think we saw, I don't think we saw nine goals. Yeah. And feel like you said, feel like you said, props to Sergei Bobrovsky for having to stay in there and, you know, take all nine of those. But, yeah. I mean, when you when Vegas had the ability to set their lineup in response to Florida's, they had the matchup capabilities. Florida's Florida's top lines were just completely dominant, and their fourth line was able to handle again that, that top line. And yeah. without without the presence of Kachuk, just yeah didn't have to, i mean a major emotional factor loss and without like, kachuk was... there you got basically one line on florida against four on vegas like it's you're held together with duct tape and bubble gum down there especially with the guys playing through some tough injuries there you're playing you're playing with essentially you're essentially playing with one arm behind your back and pretty much like concuss yeah like you're not you're not your full self out there not even close, and, and I'll run through some of these injuries um, for Florida because, uh, honestly, man, I don't know how they woke up in the morning. In fact, uh, we'll start oh, with they just Oh, they just backed up the ambulance to the fucking arena and just drove them straight I, to the hospital, man. Just a, a lot of goddamn morphine. Um, yeah, they're shooting them up I, with that stuff from, uh, what was it, Friday Night Lights, where the coach is, like, closing the door and shooting into the guy's knee. Yeah, put it, in, rushing, put it in his knee. Gas. Yeah. Russian gas, man. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of Russian gas. Uh, Matthew Kachuk played with a broken sternum in game four. Apparently, Brady had to help him get out of bed and get dressed before game four. Um, that was a a, uh, a hot-button rumor. Um, I don't know if that's been confirmed or not, but uh, Brady Kachuk was I, helping dude, his brother Matthew out. Kachuk, I yeah. think, confirmed it. Okay, there yeah. you go. So, Matthew, Matthew confirmed it. Um, he obviously did not play in game five. Uh, you know, all the credit in the world to him for – even getting out of bed, and then, you know, uh, we have uh, Ekblad playing on a, what was it, a torn oblique. We have Gudis playing on a high ankle sprain. I mean, the list goes on and on. Ekblad, shoulder, groin. Montour, you know, labrum. Montour tore his labrum in playoffs. Uh, Lusterinen missed the entirety of the Stanley Cup final with lower leg injury. Broken you know, tibia. Yeah, Sam Bennett played with an oblique injury for almost the entire, po you know, all the playoffs on top of the groin injury that kept him out for so long at the end of the regular season. So, I, I mean, dude, it's 
the list goes on and on for the Florida Panthers. And we're not saying this is why they lost. They beat some of the best teams. In fact, I'll go out and say Boston was the best regular season team of all time. That's because their point total, just overall ridiculousness. But they went out and beat Boston and then just kept it riding throughout the entire time, took, you know, swept Carolina, made an an absolute mincemeat of everybody in the East. And then, okay, it all caught up with them. And then culminating in Matthew Kachuk breaking his fucking chest open, you know, getting William Wallace out there on the ice, it, it caught up to him. But Vegas was also just the better team. The list of injuries, as Nate said, is going to come out. We're going to talk about how these guys should have been in the ICU for months with all these injuries. But at the end of the day, it caught up to Florida. Perfect storm. Vegas was just more prepared, better team, ready to go. Bruce Cassidy, who was written in the Stars War. That man's lost a lot of Game 7s in his career. It's time that he took one home. And not I'm, even a Game 7, a Game 5. An easy route. I'm, I'm not going to say that, like, I, I don't know how to put this. I don't think Vegas... It's hard to say they were, like, more prepared, like, because that implies, like, pregame p- preparation and stuff, but I'm going to say they were just better constructed. You you can't go into the Stanley Cup against a team like that and expect to win with, like... Florida had, like, some really hot players and a good team system, but Vegas had, like, a complete roster. I mean that's that's one of the better teams I've ever seen roll through the playoffs, and they it they just didn't have weaknesses. That's the thing. Like every great team has like something that they're not great at, but Vegas just is very good at everything. They're not like the most elite at any single category, but they're just like you you can't find any chinks in their armor, man. They they are very very complete. Vegas, uh, you know, you could argue that you know. Goaltending would catch up with them. That that didn't even stop this fucking juggernaut wagon from ru- running through everyone. Um, I think one of the cool stories of, of you know of playoffs here. Number one, Phil Kessel getting his third cup. Great story. Phil the thrill. Uh, let's speculate now, shall we? Does he retire? Is he done? I don't think so. You think he tries to run her back, dude? I I think that guy. He he loves hockey and it comes natural to him. Like we've seen how terrible a shape he's been in his entire career and he still flies. Like he was he was not a bad just, player for them this year. Like he's he's fully he's fully leaned into his journeyman role, man. Yeah, he's yeah, just trying to go out there and have fun and play some hockey with the boys, man. I mean, he might he might re-sign on like a real cheap deal in Vegas. He might go somewhere else to, you know, where he thinks he'd be a contender with some players that he likes. I I could see that guy playing for at least... He, I think he's going to be one of those, you got to, like, basically drag the skates off him to hang him up. Yeah. Like, ha- have a coach you really respect sit him down after a PTO and tell him, like, hey, bud, it's just not there anymore. Um, let, let's continue on this game, shall we? Uh, Jonathan Quick, boys. Quicker. Quickie. Yay or nay? Is Quick done? Three cups? Cod Smythe? Yeah, I think it's. I think he's. I think it's about time he hangs him up, unless he wants to go back to LA and maybe try to help them with what their question marks are in goal. But is he their answer? I don't think so. I'm no, no. I don't think he's going back there. I, I think it's fifty-fifty. I think he's going to test the market. I think he's going to see what's out there because if we remember, he was playing very well towards the end of the regular season. Like when he first got to Vegas. 
he had like a crazy save percentage. He won like two or three games in a row. He mm-hmm. had some really, really great saves in that game against Tampa. They he I think he's got gas left in the tank. It's just whether or not he finds a situation that is gonna be good for him. It's sure. if he finds an ideal spot where he knows he's gonna get some playing time, he's gonna make like a decent amount of money and it's in like a cool city and, you know, has a chance to go on a run, I think he would take that. But otherwise I, I don't think he's gonna go like play fucking third string goalie somewhere. No, I mean, I, yeah, I, I could see him being a supporting role, but I, I, I think he's gonna he's gonna take some time to evaluate it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he. We're gonna get kind of deep into the summer, and he's gonna see how free agency goes, and like, if I think he'll be like a late summer signing somewhere if he is. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. Um, let's start with Vegas. I'm gonna run through the UFAs here, boys, and we're gonna say what we think happens. Just because they're the you know the cup champs, so we gotta we gotta start with them. Let's go, uh, Barbashev. Yeah or nay? Bring him back, or can they afford him? <laughs> that's see, that's their problem, dude. Like they were so complete because they played the entire season almost with Mark Stone on LTIR, and I mean maybe they run that plan back because it it did come out that he like never quite recovered from his back injury so maybe he's just like fuck the regular season i'll just come on in playoffs but i i don't know dude uh, barbashev is going to be expensive i don't think they're going to be able to afford to keep him i don't either nate are you in the same boat as us yeah i'm with you he just a little too pricey he had uh, the playoffs that he had really upped his value oh yeah he added he added 20 million to his career earnings the, in the playoffs the way that he meshed with Eichel and Marsha so man, he was like the perfect complimentary top line player to do all the shit that the superstars don't are don't always excel at. Like he will fight you to the death to win puck battles, but he's still got enough touch to like play with those guys and make good passes and capitalize on the chances. Like he's gonna join a fucking dynamic duo somewhere. Yeah, and that was kind of my my speculation too. I was thinking about who can afford him. Who has the cap space? You guys, I mean, I don't want to say this, but nobody wants to hear it when you're a, a team, a fan of the team, the Metro. But dude, he'd be great with the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I I could see that. He he actually brings a they, lot of they, elements that they need yeah. too. They they need that sandpaper. They need a guy like Barbashev. They have so much. I mean, Timo Meyer is physical, but he's not. You know, he's he. It, it's not the same thing. Barbashev's the kind of guy that like Jack Hughes because God damn it, I love having you on my line. And you know the craziest I, thing? The Devils have cap space. Like yeah. after yeah. they they're not re-signing well, they Severson, well, obviously. Well they did they did re-sign they re-signed Jesper Bratt. Uh, yeah. they got him. They got him eight years, seven point eight five AAB. Yep. Which they, is gonna look Yeah. They that was a great contract, dude. That I, I'm really happy for him to get paid. He bet on himself last year. He took that one-year deal and lit it up. And the Devils have locked him up, and they still have, let's see, $26 million in cap space. Now, they're working on a long-term deal with Timo Meyer, which is not going to be cheap. But, I mean, that's still a lot of cap space for this team. Yep. That's exactly why I think he ends up there. It makes too much sense, and people yeah. overpay for cup for cup winners too. So, I think that one that one makes a hell of a lot of sense. But 
Um, Phil Kessel's a free agent. We've, we've already said that we think Phil the Thrill. Uh, I think Teddy Bluger is good as gone. He should go cash his ticket. You know, buddy, you just want to stay on the cup. You know, someone will overpay a little bit for that veteran leadership. Yeah, and so, he's he's a fourth-line guy. He he can come in, like, at a cap hit that is probably too much for what he brings to the table, but it's still low enough in the grand scheme of your team that you can kind of justify it. He probably added, you know, a couple mil to his to his career earnings there, but nothing like Barbashev. He's probably going to make 20 to 30 mil more with this playoffs than he would have previously. So, you know, good for him, man. Barbashev with two cups now. Um, the goaltending is where we get into the fun part with the Vegas Golden Knights boys. Uh, Aiden Hill, Loren Brassois, and Jonathan Quick are all free agents, UFAs. So a rational person is going to say you got to give Aiden Hill his money considering he just, you know, carried you through the last two and a half rounds to win the cup. That being said, though, is Hill going to be the expensive one or is Brassois? Mm, honestly, dude, I think they trade one of them. Uh, they still got Logan Thompson. Let's not forget about him. He, you know, all-star in the first half of the season. He, yeah. He's their guy of the future, I think. And I, I think Aiden Hill earned himself that other role on that team to help, like, maybe timeshare. Well, it all depends on how much money he wants, though. So if he wants to go in and cash and just get every dollar he can, Vegas can't afford that. Not a chance. But... If that's the case, then they're trading the negotiating rights of a Stanley Cup champion goalie who looked great. So they probably get some well, they're assets. All, they're all they're all UFAs. Yeah, but like you could see sign and trade and stuff. Like they're they're gonna talk yeah, to those yeah. guys and figure out. And then they're they're a smart enough front office with asset management. If they like figure out who they want and who they're gonna offer a contract to, they're gonna be yeah. shopping the negotiating rights uh, amongst all the other teams until July first. That, that you're 100% right, Aaron. Nate, what do you think? Uh, are you looking more Hill to stay in Vegas, Bressois, or neither? Because I, I don't. We, I think we all agree Jonathan Quick's not going back. There. No, not a chance. No, no, not Jonathan Quick. You've got Logan Thompson sitting there, so it, it's got to be one of the two. I mean, shit, man. I know, I know, Bressois got you there, but Hill, but Hill, Hill won it. Yeah. And like that's that's it's it's where do you weigh it between who got you there and who won it? And I think you got to lean who won it. Well, and honestly, like we think about Aiden Hill coming in halfway through these playoffs, Brassois played less than him, it because he went out early in that Edmonton series, and Hill like carried him through that, won that series for him. I I mean, got got him through Dallas. Yeah, got him. He was that's where he really came on was Dallas because. Edmonton, he had yeah. some nice stops, but, like, you still had a couple barn burners there, and, like, Vegas' scoring was able to keep up. But that Dallas series, he really shined. And in the in the cup final, man, he was electric. So I, I do – I think if you can keep him at a reasonable figure, Vegas resigns him. Otherwise, I think they're talking to every other team, be like, hey, do you want first shot at negotiating with the Stanley Cup champion – give us a couple of draft picks and we'll like do a sign and trade with you for him. And then you re-sign Brassois at like a reasonable ticket and have it between him and Logan Thompson again. Boys, you know where I think Aiden Hill ends up next year's starting goaltender? Tell me. Los Angeles Kings. Interesting. There, I mean, that it, Corpus Allo is not staying. You don't think so? I See, I've heard like 50-50 on that. I've heard rumors yeah, that they like him. Did, 
and they would like to keep him, but I thought that uh, he was maybe wanting a little too much. I think Corby, he's good at that age where, you know, he needs to cash that meal ticket right now. You yeah. know, like he's, he's, um, he's almost 30. The thing, so if, if... the thing is though, like a lot of the league was pretty low on him when he got traded and he played yeah, well, you're right. but like, yeah, it, it all depends on his market value. Like what he thinks he can get. And if like, cause I think LA would be interested in keeping it. I think it's going to be about term though. So like they, they have Phoenix Copley. He was been decent. I, and I don't think that they love either of these guys enough to commit to him beyond like three or four years. That's that's my take. Yeah. I, yeah, I I think agree. they they want to get another like stud guy coming up. Nate, where do you think Jonas Corposalo ends up, and do you think my prediction of Aiden Hill ending up as the Kings goaltender is ridiculous? Um, I don't think it's ridiculous. I I I could re- I could very realistically see that that would help out a lot of their issues that they're gonna have. Um, honestly, I would love to see. I think I think a little dream scenario for both sides could possibly be Jonas Corposalo going to Edmonton. The, the thing is, they gotta find a way to. Un- okay, so I, I think Edmonton, honestly, is is stupid of a decision as this is gonna be. I think they're gonna stand pat with Campbell and Skinner. Because and yeah, and, yeah. I, because I mean, I Skinner's, you, Skinner's great, but like, think about it, man. If if you got rid of, listen, if you got rid of. I I know I know the point you're making. Like, obviously, the the smart move is to get rid of Jack Campbell. Like, right? He makes too much. He's not very good. He's 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 not the goalie that they thought he was. But Ken Holland just inked him to that huge deal, and he's been there a couple years and not had a lot of success. If he spends that much money on this guy and like anchors him there for five years and then has to pay assets to unload it, that's like the final strike. It he's he's gonna be like out of a job if they don't have success this year I'll if he does you, that. I think he I'll buys a little more another, runway if he doesn't. I'll tell you another spot that I could possibly see Corpusalo going. Tell me. Ottawa. Ottawa does have an interesting goaltender situation. They're Forsberg looked pretty good for him for a little while. Yeah. They're a team Cam, needs, Cam Talbot they, they, was bad and injured. Yeah. Like And that's that, that's a big need for them. Yeah. That's a big need that they need to address this offseason. It yeah. is goaltending. And and they they're right on the cusp. It all depends on what these new owners want to do. Because they just got the ownership deal pretty much done they, they've decided who's buying the team yeah, well, well they, whether well, they whether know, they want to see out the rebuild or like instantly but, push him to compete but michael but michael and Lauer, uh he can't make any changes until this until his part the sale of his partial share in the montreal canadians is complete um it's supposedly gonna take weeks September is what, like a, a time frame that could be like your worst case scenario for that. Is yeah. when he can start making changes. Well, but so like hopefully, he, but he can't make changes. He can't make changes, but, but like the GM can still make moves. But but again, is that his? Is that who he wants at GM? Right. So like we know Pierre Dorian is no. Is it not Pierre Dorian? Is it Pierre Dorian there? I think it's Pierre um, Dorian. Uh, we know that he has been 
like nursing this rebuild and he like gave it a couple shots in the arm last year with Debrinket and Drew. But I think he knows you can't just rush this thing to the end. It so is, it is it is Dorian, by the way. Yeah, okay. nice. I I thought so. Um, I always well get done. him and the reporter Pierre LeBrun confused. But... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. But uh, yeah, I I think he like he's not gonna make any stupid moves. He's not gonna sign like a goalie long term. He's got Talbot that he just got stuck with after he made that bad trade with Minnesota. He's got that really big young kid who I forget his name, but he played a couple games this year and he was insanely good for him. And he's like a really highly touted prospect that I think they're going to like try to bring him along and get a couple guys, like maybe resign one of the ones that they have and just kind of have a timeshare and let him find his form as the team improves over the next year and then really go for it the year after. Do we, uh, do we think that, and this is just me kind of spitballing here because it's Ottawa. Um, do we think they'd be in the market to maybe move to break it and then oh. try to bring assets back? They're at, yeah, he's, he told him he's not signing there. They're actively shopping him. Perfect. I, yeah, I thought I'd heard that, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, he's, he's like gone. They're, they're shopping him hard. Um, they, I don't think they filed for arbitration or anything. Like they're just, they're like, fuck it, dude. We'll get what we can for you. And I could maybe see him like going to a contender that like is a piece or two away because if he doesn't want to stay there, like they can just do the arbitration and get like a one year deal. Yeah, they could. I I mean, I don't know why you'd want a player that unless they're betting on themselves, but kind of like Taylor Hall in Buffalo year, unless they're betting on themselves, yeah, you know, like I, I don't see the brinket. I don't know. Well, he has to bet on himself if he doesn't want to sign there long-term. That's what I'm saying. So, like, he, he either yes. signs there long-term or he takes the one-year qualifying offer arbitration deal and just has to rip it up. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, like, in yeah. that situation, he's he's playing for fucking... He either just signed a big ticket in a place he wants to be or he's playing for his career right there, like, his big ticket contract for the next season. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, you know, to break it coming from Chicago and getting sent to Ottawa is not exactly ideal. Yeah, he he's a guy though that like he he works so much better if you have him with an elite playmaker. Like he ripped it up with Patrick Kane. He got to Ottawa. He, Tim Stutz was a good center. It Josh Norris got injured, so like that yeah. that took one guy out of an equation. But he needs like an elite pass. He's so good at finding soft spots and capitalizing on a shot when people set him up. But he doesn't really drive a lot of offense on his own. So he needs to like have strong line mates that are very good passers, and he can tear it up. It's it's really a, a fit issue, is apart from like an actual player skill issue. Yeah, I agree. He needs yeah. Certain guys need need elite whatever around, but not elite, but. You know, certain guys gel best with certain skill sets, if I could fucking speak right yeah. now. I guess hey, when, when I say elite, I don't mean, like, he can only succeed there, but, like, I think now everyone's got that expectation of him as 40-goal guy, and for him to get back to that level, I think he needs to play with elite players. He Otherwise, he's yeah. just, like, a serviceable, like, top-six guy. I'm thinking about him with, like, a Ryan Getzlaff. Like, holy shit, Getzlaff would just set him up, you know? <laughs> Get- like, elite passer. I know he's retired. I'm yeah. saying in his prime. <laughs> You know what I mean? 
Yeah, dude, Getzlav like, Backstrom. Well, Patrick Kane really is the the perfect mold for him because Kane not only can pass, but he can carry the puck through the zone. He can create things mm-hmm. on his own. Like he draws so much. Att- you need a guy that draws all that attention away from you. It, like yeah. like a, a better version of Cam Atkinson because that that was a big deal for him. He he was so good with very good players for the Jackets. He he was great at finding soft spots and like sending good shots once the puck got to him. But it's he it's one of those guys that they're a complimentary like elite at one thing kind of guy. Yeah. Hey hey guys, getting back get, getting back to the finals a little bit here. Can we talk about the fact that this the ratings for the East Finals uh, were down forty three percent from last season? Uh, well, the but they, yeah. but the ratings had been up in rounds one and two. So the Stanley, the Stanley Cup final was was low was low rating because we had two. We had one new hockey market and one non-traditional hockey market. That is the NHL's worst nightmare. The worst Absolutely. nightmare of the NHL. But even is, but even your conference finals, even your conference finals ratings were down. Yeah, because once again, who was it in the East? Two non-traditional hockey markets. And who was it in the West? One, one hockey, you know, one new up-and-coming. Vegas is becoming a hockey market, but it's still young. And then a non-traditional hockey market. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not. You're, you're you're totally right, Phil. Like, it, well, and we saw all the the angry hockey men in Canada complaining about like this all Southern U.S. conference finals, and it's just it, people harbor a lot of like vitriol for that. I think when like their teams don't succeed and they see these like teams that they don't think about hockey being related to succeeding, and that that causes them to tune out. But I also think like the the way that these teams play too, like especially in the East. Carolina and Florida. Florida was pretty fun once you like took the time to watch them, but throughout the years, man, they've just been like one of these teams that you don't see a lot of exciting stuff from them. And Carolina was missing all their top scores, and they're not exciting that much to begin with either. So it's like the quality of the product was down too. But but come on, man! It's like if unless there's a Canadian team or an original six, it like are we? Is that all we have to get? Is we have to get an original six or a Canadian team in order to call this a good rated NHL, you know, playoffs? Fuck that! No, nah. I think no. I think if Nashville was in it, the ratings would have been fine. I I think they've they've, they've established themselves as a southern city that thrives with hockey. I think if the Kings were in it, we'd have no problem with how the is, ratings. How is Dallas not? Tampa. Dallas, not? Dallas has other preferences over hockey, though. Nashville. But they show up. But they show up and show out. No, I I agree. But I'm saying Dallas is still more. It's more niche there than it is in Nashville. Nashville is that beautiful transplant town, like a Vegas, like a Seattle. People show up. They love it. But it's not a huge population town. I think Nashville. Sorry, Phil. Go ahead. I thought you were done. No, no, no. no. I was just going to say that that like Nashville only has one other rodeo in town, and that's you know that's the, the Tennessee Titans, and they're not playing anywhere near the time of Stanley Cup playoffs. That's just their season's about to start ramping up with with off season. You want to know why people also get mad? By the way, it's the point I wanted to make going into this. Look at the four teams that made it to the Eastern Conference Final, or sorry, to the to the Conference Finals. Sorry. Uh, Nevada, no state income tax. Dallas, no state income tax. Florida, no state income tax. North Carolina, very low state income tax here. Uh, Players are signing there because they get to keep more of their paycheck. 
if you're on a one or two year deal making mid money, if I'm, you know, if I'm a Sam Bennett, I would much rather go play in Florida where there's no state income tax than go play in Montreal where I'm automatically taxed at 52% before escrow. Fuck that. So that's what you're going to start seeing. Guys will sign their contracts in less tax or no tax income tax areas because they're renting. They're there for a year or two. They're not buying a house. They're renting shit. The team has them set up and it's fine. So there are horror stories about guys that sign one-year deals in California, Canada, areas that have higher tax rates. They don't want to be there. They're like, this is trash. So they play their ass off, but they make they make very little money relative to the rest of the league in that season. That's why you see a lot of one-year deals in places like Nashville, places like Dallas, places like Vegas, places like Tampa and, you know, in Florida, places like Carolina. So I don't think it's a kind of, I don't think it's a coincidence that guys are willing to sign there, you know, over teams in Canada or teams in California or whatever. So, wow, I so that you're was, saying, so you're saying that teams in, and, you know, teams that have, you know, good tax regulations and good income tax in their states are just better suited to get good players. I think that players are purposely not going to Canada. I think players don't want to play in Canada as, as much as they used to. I think that, you know, the money has gotten to the point now where, you know, if, if you're making 12 mil a year and you're living, you know, if you're Austin Matthews and you're on the verge of making 12 mil a year, probably AAV and you're living in Toronto, it's like five and a half, six at best, you know, in terms of the, in terms of, you know, the, the tax bracket, you, you don't keep all of it. You get tax base in the city you play in and everything. But if you live in Florida, you don't have to pay that. You're making, a, you know, your money goes further. Now they get you with property value. If you buy a house, you know, in in Texas or in Florida, it's it, it skyrockets it. But I just thought that was like an an, an interesting kind of concept for me uh, going into it. I was like, damn, these are all areas that you see a lot of one and two year deals signed. And I, to me, part of it's got to be a little a little financial by the players still. I mean, it's I mean, you're right. Like, why wouldn't you want to try to keep more of your money? Like, I get it absolutely. Just. Just another side. I mean, yeah, we haven't had a Canadian team win a cup in 30 years. And, and you know, if I was a Canadian fan, which obviously there are many, many Canadian fans out there that are frustrated, I would be frustrated too if I was the fan of a, you know, if I supported a, a Canadian franchise because they have, they have them, you know, arguably the most passionate fans outside of a few American cities. Any Canadian city is going to have more passionate fans than an American city. I think you're making a lot of generalizations over here, Phil. You I think so? yeah, I I agree with you on the taxing. Like it's it's not a deciding factor all of the time, but it is a factor. Like it, you do get more interest from teams or from players for teams that don't get taxed that much. But I think if like you get a player that's in a situation that he likes or that like sees a team that he thinks has a good shot to win or that he grew up rooting for, he's He's still not going to, like, blow them off over, like, I don't know, a mil or two of taxes when he's already set up for life. And, sure. It, but they do have I'm, an advantage for sure. I would also say, yeah. though, there are a lot of passionate hockey fans in the U.S. You know, you got I did, you got I didn't Minnesota, you got Detroit. Like, I'd put those guys up. You're right. Canada is, like, on a little bit different level of fan base, but you get some really, really good ones down here, too. I, I don't think we can say they're all better. I didn't say that. I said outside of a few American markets, mm. you know, Canadian fans are 
Canadian fans treat the NHL the way that Americans treat the NFL. Yeah, true. that's my that's that's my perception, right? The three of us love hockey, but you know, I think we can all agree that as Americans, you know, the NFL is number one, even in a hockey crazy city. If they have an NFL team, it's probably going to take precedent for. I mean, think. I mean, think about this. Like, we all live in Columbus. Like, hockey. We have a hockey team. We don't have an NFL team yet. I would say NFL is my number one sport that I that I like and root for. Yeah. And then NHL, and then NHL is number two. I would say that. I think the population difference, though, does play a role because, like. Canada, th- their population is so much smaller than us, especially yeah. that like the major cities are really the only place where you have like centralized like masses of people like Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal is not even that big, really. Well, Canada's Canada's population is essentially just California. Yeah. So like, yeah. even though like you have in the US, most people are going to have like number one sport NFL, you get so many people that like you're gonna have almost as many people that have nhl number one in a u.s city as you have in canada i agree with you a hundred percent aaron and honestly i i prefer to watch the nhl over the nfl yeah i have nothing against i mean i i don't get me wrong i love watching the nfl i prefer college football i think saturday's just a better day than sunday to watch football anyways but you know that's that's just my opinion i'm also not saying there aren't super passionate fans in every single nhl fan base there are I'm not saying that every player makes their decision based on finances. They don't. And I don't think they make it on fan base either really that much. No, I think it's more systems and like the team and like how much they can get. There's, there's so much that goes into it. I feel like we're, Mm -hmm. these factors do play a part, but I feel like we focus a little too much on them. Like I like to bring, I like to bring them up because to me, it's, it's kind of viewing it from in a different light. And I was just bringing up the, the income, you know, the income tax because three of the four States didn't have it. Yeah, and I thought that was. Int- I thought it was, it's interesting because it's a point that's become more prevalent in the last three to five years that people talk about. Yeah. So you, you, you know, are you are on, right about that too, especially with a flat cap these last couple years. Like that yeah. that has brought that into play quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, players I mean, are like, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think with whenever we see this next CBA come around, like you're gonna see. You're, you're going to see some. There's got to be a raise for how much teams are selling for these days. Yeah. Like, I think you're, you've got to see for what, even for what, te- even if teams aren't selling, what their valuations are, they've got to be paying players, I think, a little bit better. And I think there's going to be some talks about that. Nate, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to bring this up tonight, guys. Which network do you think pulls an Apple TV MLS and makes a play for the NHL? Boy, I, you got it. It's. I really hope it's not ESPN because that's not the that's not the network that needs it. I'd love yeah. to see. Because that's that's. I mean, it, I could it be Amazon? Is that where Amazon makes its play? Amazon, home of the NHL. So you're talking you're talking about uh, like one that excludes blackouts, right? Because like MLS, you just pay a fee yes. and you get to watch all the games. I. Yeah. That's what I've been pushing for for so long, man. Like, we and, need and to have a system, but the problem is they just signed that new TV deal, and it's got exclusivity rights. So, like, we're going to have to wait. Yeah. long one with ESPN, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have – ESPN and TNT have exclusivity unless, rights for a while. Unless, unless 
Amazon is willing to pay any kind of buyout, help in paying any kind of buyouts. I don't think they're doing that. Not, I, Come on, I get man. where you're Come coming on. from, but like it, Amazon does not see this as nearly as profitable. I don't think to pay like that much money for a buyout of a contract. They'll just wait and get the rights whenever the contract expires. Yeah. Or does, or does the NHL look at doing something like the MLB? Where they where they give you the ability to stream any markets, but or wait, no, they already have that with Hulu. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, they've got that with the ESPN Plus Hulu deal. I, I really well, and we talked about that TV deal. That's one of the reasons I think the cap's going up, dude. Well, and it's they, interesting because that, you've that's got, almost because got escrow you've got paid a off. Lot of, the problem is, uh, you, you've got to have something figured out because with the, with Bally Sports going on, with Bally Sports going bankrupt, you've got a lot of teams. You've got almost half your teams, if not half your teams, that have TV networks and TV deals that are kind of in flux right now. Yeah. Because they're because they're with Bally. I, Actually, I, think... I believe it's I believe it's over because I think it's eighteen. I think it's eighteen markets. Dude, I. I think that we're going to see... Have you guys seen what Vegas is doing for next season? No. They They are, like, taking control of it, and they are just broadcasting free to everyone in their market. And I think that that's the way these teams need to operate. Like, broad, so put the broadcast out for local? free and sell ads for them. Like, it, it doesn't cost that much for a local team to run a broadcast, like, just to their local area. And then just sell ads to like cover those expenses, and then you just broadcast and like grow the game. And then if ESPN Plus wants to pick it up for their out of market deal, then they get a fee from that. So that's I think Bill. that is the ideal model, honestly. That's a hey, good model. Hey, yep. Bill, as, a, as a marketing and ad guy, if if the Blue Jackets <laughs> did something like that, I feel like that sounds like something right up your alley, there, buddy. Buddy, I would be selling ads to try to get people placed on whatever. I mean, whatever streaming uh, station had them for OTT ads, I would be 100% be all over that shit. Um, guys, we, we, we could get into more speculation of, of this uh, nature down the line. We'll, we'll probably hear more about the Bally Sports fallout as the offseason goes along. The NHL draft is coming up next week, guys. It's in Nashville. Midweek, great, great planning by Professor Bettman and his dumb fuckery. No shit. Um, uh, Wednesday, Thursday draft. Woo! Uh, in Nashville, that'll be fun at least. Maybe they'll throw catfish at him. Um, I haven't really done. I mean, I already we already have speculated enough on one, two, and three. Congrats to Connor Bedard for going number one overall. Uh, well, I think I think there's no. I think you can't. Unfortunately, I think I don't think you can count Will Smith out at number three. Let's just let's just put that out there. Yeah, I mean, I think, we got I think the Blue Jackets. I think the Blue Jackets have talked to Will Smith a lot. At number three, so, uh, but obviously with Will Smith, there's a waiting period. Whereas with Leo Carlson, it's right here, right now. Yeah, I, and even Carlson's not like a lock, lock, but he's pretty close. Like I think he's making the roster, and I'm, I'm still just begging and praying that Anaheim it realizes that they're not going to compete for the next like three or four years anyway, and just takes Mitchkov because he's. He is the second best player in the draft. You just have that three-year waiting period on his uh, KHL contract. but And then we get Fantilli, but I, I still think that's wishful thinking. I think they're going to take Fantilli, but 
Um, I it's man. It, I mean, here's the thing: if it, like if you're the Blue Jackets, obviously you've probably talked. You you probably still talk to Mitch or uh, Fantilli at least a little bit. Oh yeah, they but, they had extensive conversations with him. Him and yeah, Carlson yeah. were and Smith, I think, were the three they spent the most time with. Yeah, exactly. So if you know, if say for instance, Anaheim does take Mitch Goff, man. It's almost a no-brainer. You got to take Fantilli. Right you have now, right? to. Oh yeah, dude. Fantilli. Fantilli's where it's at. It's yeah. yeah. It. I can't wait to watch this thing play out. Um, I. Unless you guys have anything else about the draft, I would like to transition. Uh, Go going from like someone's career sparking off on a high note with Connor Bedard and Fantilli and all of them, to a guy who's in flux right now. The Vancouver Canucks have bought out the last four years of Oliver Ekman Larson's monster contract. This oh my is god! One of the biggest buyouts in recent history. Dude, and this team has no money. They have dude, no money right now. Well, they That's have their- they have a lot more for one year. They save themselves seven point one million dollars against the cap this year. Next year, because he was making like so. This year, his cap hit is seven hundred thousand some dollars. Next year it's going to be two point some million. The year after it's shooting up to four for two years, and then you got two for two more years, and then it's over. But it's like I I get where they're coming from. Like Vancouver has no cap space. They still got Tyler Myers on that stupid fucking deal, and he's like well, not providing got, a lot of value. They well, I, uh, hold on, Aaron, yeah, go real quick. go. Aaron. Darren Darren Drager Darren Drager was reported to saying that Brock Besser, Garland, and Tyler Myers are all on the market right now. Oh yeah, they they need to be because like yeah. they bought themselves seven million dollars in cap space. They still need more to fix that defense if they want to compete. And that it looks like they're trying to compete. I don't really know why. Well, okay from from the logic side, if you just look at this in a vacuum, you've got. Pedersen and Hughes on decent deals before they get paid like big, big money. And you want to use that window, but like you haven't had any success with them the last two years. You, you think you're just going to sign some free agents now and just launch up the standings. I mean, it, you really think Rick talk is going to come in and just smet, snap his fingers and turn it around. I mean, you got the, the dead coach bounce there right when he got hired and they looked all right at the end of the season, but how many times have we seen that happen after a team fires a coach, brings in a new guy, the team plays a little harder, then the next season they just flame out again. So I I don't know why they aren't like trying to get high picks for like their young good assets outside of Pedersen and Hughes. Like they just re-signed Kuzmenko, which like it's a good contract, but by the time that they're like restocked and ready to compete hard he's going to be old they should have traded him for assets they they just like they don't know who they are right now i don't think and we're going to see them sign some defensemen for that are like fringe second pairing defensemen for way too much money and put them right back in the situation they were in before they just did this buyout yeah it's going to be a vicious cycle in vancouver for sure Oliver Ekman Larson, by the way, 902 career games, made his debut in 2010-11. Been around for a while. Good third-pairing guy now. I think someone will go out there and sign him to a team-friendly contract. You know who um, I'm saying I, is going to sign him? Let's hear it. Boston. When he Perfect. was when he was getting traded from Arizona, 
he had two teams on his list because he added no trade clauses. Like, I will go one of these two places, Vancouver, Boston. Boston's the yeah. other one now that Vancouver bought him out. And he's got his money, dude. Like, he is set. He's going to join Boston. They need defense, too, because they've got a lot of UFAs that are not going to be able to re-sign them all. I, yeah. I think he goes to Boston and paired with a responsible guy, he's going to light it up. It's it's going to be yeah, a great a good bargain one. deal. That's a good one, man. I love that. Yeah, that'd be a great, that'd be an ideal scenario for both sides. Yeah, let OEL skate around over on the East Coast. Spent enough of his career out West. Um, boys, do we have any other news or anything else we want to talk about? Uh, I would like to point out congratulations to Patrick Sharp. He's been or hired as an assistant GM with the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, team that drafted him. Uh, a little bit of a theme going on here in Philly. We got Keith Jones, ex-Flyer, went into media. Now he's the president of hockey operations. Now we got Patrick Sharp, ex-Flyer, actually won a cup against the Flyers after getting traded to Chicago, went into sure media. Did. Now he's in the front office of the Flyers. I mm-hmm. I think he's a, he's a smart guy. He, he's a sharp guy, if you will. And uh, I think he's going to be a good. He's he's, he's a Serbic. Yeah, he's going to be. He is a Serbic. He's going to be a nice addition to that front office, I think. And uh, hoping the Flyers. It looks like they're going to strip this thing down and rebuild right. I I'm happy for those Philly fans that have really suffered through a few seasons here. Yeah, they they deserve this. They're going to get Kevin Hayes on the trading block and a few other guys and kind of just just rip it down to the to the studs and build her back up one you know brick by brick. Um. I, uh, I'm interested to see how long Torts lasts there, though. Like, is, is he going to stick around? I there? think he's sticking around. They Basically, right. they built the new Flyers around Torts. They, they hired him, and then they fired Chuck Fletcher. They're like, this is Torts' fucking shit, man. He's he's sailing it. Yeah, dude. Uh, Nate, do you have anything else that you want to discuss this evening? Um. Yeah, just had something interesting i mean obviously if you're san jose one of your i think one thing that you got to address going into this offseason is um carlson and what you're going to do with him so i mean obviously you've got to trade him so who are you going to get to who's who who's the interested party here if it depends on what they get and how much they have to retain though if if they don't find like a mother load of assets Every team that's going to trade for him is going to want the Sharks to retain salary. They just got absolutely hosed last season by Carolina retaining a bunch of burned salary and didn't get hardly anything in return. If if the market's like that for Carlson, I think they hang on to him. It Otherwise, like you can't retain that much dead cap between those two defensemen without getting a lot of assets. Yeah, you've got to. But is again? Is are you going to get another pool like Burns, or you get nothing, or or like you say, like get get something? But again, who's going to trade? Who's going to trade assets for Carlson right now? That, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think he stays because people yeah. like they'll trade assets if the Sharks retain salary, but they're not going to trade the load that it's going to take to justify that much salary retained. Correct. Yeah. I'm with Aaron. Yeah, I'm with Aaron. Are you getting? But 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 is there is there a median there? Like if you're the if you're the Sharks, like 
what's a number that you might feel comfortable with and, and you know get enough assets back to consider it a win it's or even or even not as or even even that not just like okay like we lost out a little bit on this but like at least we're in a good position moving for we're at least in a decent position moving forward it, that that's is, the thing is there is there a, is there a scenario out there like that where it's just kind of you know maybe maybe it's a slight win win maybe it's a slight win lose but at least that loss isn't so terrible i i think the the sharks have leverage here though because carlson just came off a great season if you're either getting like a package including a first and a top prospect to retain that salary because don't forget you're also retaining burn salary for a long time and to like put yourself that far under the cap and not get like grade a prospects you're happy to just keep a very good productive player like it the the alternative to taking like a an iffy deal versus keeping a guy who's just won the norris basically I mean, he's going to win the Norris. And, like, the first 100-point defenseman since uh, Leach. It, yeah. Yeah, just, like, you can hang on Pencil to him. It's, it's okay. It's not the end of the world to hang on to him. All right. He'll be worth more at next year. He'll be worth more next year in next year's deadline. Yeah. Every year, as long as he keeps producing, he'll be worth more because there will be less term left on that contract. Correct. Yeah, exactly. That's how, that's how I view it, Aaron. So, I'm with you there, buddy. Yep. I, I, I like yeah. that we got to get a little back and forth in there at the very end, though. That, that was a nice way no. to close things out. Well, we had, we had a little Phil pontification, and then you know we had, we had some Nate hot takes, and then we got Aaron going back and forth, playing a little tennis at the end there. So I think uh, I think the listeners got everything that they could ask for out of an episode of Barely Hockey. Would you agree? I would say so. This is, uh, this is some of our finest work. Well done, boys. Um, that'll just about wrap up this episode of the Barely Hockey Podcast. Aaron, do you have any final thoughts before we sign her off? Nope. That's uh, We're good. We are good till next week. Boom. Nate, do you got anything for us? I left it all on the mic, dog. Good. I don't have anything either, so that'll wrap up this episode of the Barely Hockey Podcast. For Aaron Kenny and Nate McBride, I'm Phil Razor saying Barely Hockey. Bears well with bruise. Hell of a broadcast, boys.